Aside from the usual jury duty summons, I've been called to appear in court twice in my life. Both cases were thrown out. Uh, the first time was uh, because I had been written up for busking without a permit at Taste of Chicago about 1995 or so. I, was, I actually had a license. I forgot to bring it that day, so it got thrown out when I saw the judge. Uh, the second time, Father Brendan and I were both called in as witnesses in a drunk driving case. Uh, the case is infamous in community lore because Father Brendan and I remembered the car traveling in two different directions. Uh, he said it was going south down Aberdeen Street, and I remembered it going north. Uh, he had to have been right, but it was a cautionary experience for me uh, because it illustrated how difficult it can be to be a good witness. Our typical response to the problem of testimony in the modern world is to try to employ science to correct the faulty senses of sight and sound in our faulty memories. Science has the air about it of objectivity. But even here, uh, there's a lot that depends on human testimony. And uh, I've been reading over the past few years, it's kind of surprising in the peer-reviewed journals of science how few experiments are actually repeated by anybody. They're just taken on faith that these experiments did such and such a thing. And it's alarming how many times when some other scientists do try to replicate the experiment, uh, it's falsified. It turns out not to work. Uh, so even in science, we're relying a lot on people's word, whether experiments work or not. Uh, I would point out we've got several uh, specials, television specials coming out on the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, we have all this scientific forensics that went into this case, uh, but there was tampering with the evidence. And so if the evidence isn't preserved by human beings in a trustworthy way, you can't have a trial. You can't have a fair trial. And so the case uh, found him innocent, at least the, the um, state case. So we're thrust back on personal testimony if we wish to gain an accurate sense of the world. No one of us can figure out everything or experience everything for ourselves. So it's important that we know whom to trust, right? And it's also important that we ourselves be trustworthy witnesses. Now, if this is true regarding things perceptible to our senses, how much more exacting must be the requirement to testify to God or on God's behalf? And this is why the person of John the Baptist has been so celebrated by the church since the very beginning. Uh, our Lord says of him, there's no one greater born of a woman than John the Baptist. That's why he is able to witness to God, to witness to God in the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Uh, he's chosen for this because of his greatness as a person, as a character. His testimony is completely watertight. Everybody trusts it. So when the, the apostles go out proclaiming Jesus the Messiah, they refer to John. You know, John witnessed to him. He's the real thing. Now, aside from his baptizing, uh, we should ask ourselves, what does God, John teach us about being a reliable witness? What do we have to do to make ourselves reliable? First, and perhaps most importantly, this requires a certain divestment and disinterestedness regarding worldly power, for example. It's not often remembered that John was the son of a priest, and in the temple regulations of the time, the priesthood was hereditary. 
So John himself was a priest. And in John's days, the priesthood had come to replace the kingship in Israel as the locus of political power. But John himself never exercises his office as priest and certainly does not get involved in the politics of the day other than to call people to renewed fidelity to God's commandments. So aside from his baptizing, we don't have any record of John serving as a priest. We see him going out to the desert, away from the power structures, to pray and to fast, to live in poverty and simplicity, so divesting himself of anything that might hold him back from telling the truth about the world. This makes him courageous in speaking unpopular truths. Uh, We often think, of course, of the truth that cost him his life, confronting Herod with the irregularity of the king's marriage. But also, this is a point not often noticed, the fact that he names Jesus as Messiah is a risky thing to do. Uh, The fact that Jesus was proclaimed Messiah led to Jesus' own death And John himself, in pointing to this, is making himself an accomplice in what appears to be uh, a coup of some kind. So the fact that John is, again, able to say this without fear is an indication that this divestment from worldly power allows him a kind of freedom to say what he needs to say. So we can see that John is temperate, he is humble, he is courageous, he is rigorously just, Uh, though this is not a strict legalism because he criticizes the Pharisees for that. What we're saying is that John is virtuous. John embodies a life of virtue. And this is what we're all called to do. Uh, But I think we can go farther than this. Just as I mistook the direction of the car, it is possible to misread the scriptures. Uh, We can do this by, again, wanting the scriptures to say what we want them to say instead of actually paying attention to what they really say. Uh, And in fact, this drunk driving case was thrown out because the police falsified their report about what happened. And when I testified and said my version of the story, the judge threw the case out. Uh, We can't want the facts to be what we want them to be. We have to allow them to be what they are. And this is true with regard to the scriptures. So when we listen to God's word in the scriptures, we have to let it speak hard truths to us and then change our life in accordance with what they're saying. So we have to then uh, be attentive to the world, whether it's the work we're doing, temporal or spiritual work, or whether it's just observing what other people are doing. We can give up our strength as a witness by being lethargic and complacent about prayer and about scripture. John did not stop at natural virtue, but he yearned for general, genuine spiritual knowledge and separated himself from the crowd in order to immerse himself in spiritual heavenly realities, to focus his concentration on the world to come. St. Benedict would have us recognize Christ in all of the circumstances of our daily lives. And if we struggle with this, perhaps we can ask John to teach us. He's the one who recognizes Christ when he sees him. And we monks are to do this uh, when we see guests, when we see the superior, when we see the poor. We're to see Christ in them. We're to be like John and say, there he is. Uh, If we're unable to do this, we can ask, what's John's example have to teach me? Am I too caught up in worldly concerns? Am I hungry for power or recognition? Am I self-interested in my service of God? Am I eager to receive good things from God, uh, but slow to give thanks and complacent about surrendering myself over to him? 
And finally, am I watching things unfolding in front of me with real attentiveness and accuracy? Or am I distracted, unfocused, easily drawn away from the things of God by my own projects and interests? Am I invested and tied down by my own opinions and ideas? The first step in becoming, I hope, my first step in becoming a better witness was to admit that someone else had seen things more accurate than I had, that my opinion was not the end. Will, what will our next step be?